Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name's Stephen, and I am one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you to Vintage Church. Super excited to really wrap up a series that we started several weeks ago called The Indestructible Word. We're together over the last several weeks. We've been learning how the Bible instructs us. We learned that week one, how the Bible also speaks to us. And today we're going to learn how the Bible connects us. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to download the Vintage Church app. On the app, you can follow along. This is our third week, so we have access to all of the other weeks on video. You can also download some notes and follow along. I've had a lot of people tell me over the years, Pastor, you talk so fast. Well, I do that, and I know on the app you can turn me back on halftime, and you can also follow along on notes in case you miss anything as we're moving through the content. We're going to jump right in because I believe today's message really puts a cherry on top of this entire series. It really, as we go into the Christmas season, it wraps a big bow on how important the Bible is in the life of a Christian. Today, we're going to learn how the Bible connects, how the Bible connects us, how the Bible teaches us about God's family and how to walk together in this thing called Christian community called the local church. You know, as we look around our world, it's easy to see that something is broken. It seems like every time you turn on the news, you have all of these bad news. You have people murdering and stealing and rioting. You have all this divisiveness, all of this meanness, people hurting people everywhere. It's crazy what a simple act of kindness, like a smile, would do in such a dark world. And you know, as believers, when we're faced with all of this darkness, it's tempting, it's very tempting for us to focus on all of the darkness and to try to fix it. For example, we elect politicians who make promises. We start nonprofits who specialize in a specific problem or maybe a series of causes. We dedicate our life to so many things, but it might surprise you that God has actually given us his word to show us how to lead the world out of darkness. That all of our solutions and all of our activities, they pale in comparison to the tools and the resources that God gives us and shows us, reveals to us in his word to be able to overcome it. Specifically in the area of Christian community. Christian community. You know, as we look at Jesus and we look at our key passage today, it's important to note that much like our world, the world that Jesus was born into was incredibly dark. I would actually say it was the worst time on planet Earth. I don't have a theology degree, but I did study history in college. And I've learned a lot about the Roman Empire. And can I just tell you, it was an incredibly dark and wicked place. It's darkness. Our darkness today pales in comparison to how bad it is. If you think it's bad now, it was really bad then. And yet, in the darkest, most depressing time of history, I don't think it was a coincidence that God shines a light in the darkness. Here we see the light of the nativity. It's in this dark culture that Jesus is born and Jesus is raised and he starts his ministry at the age of 30. 
And as he's walking throughout his ministry, right, as he's getting ready to kick off his ministry, he looks at a crowd of people, many of whom would become his disciples. They were people of every race, of every ethnicity, of every socioeconomic position. And he looks at these crowd of potential future disciples and followers. And he says this in Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says to this crowd, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. It's fascinating that he says this to a crowd. Jesus here was not talking to the individual. He was talking to a group of people. This is important because our culture today is very individualistic. It's difficult for us to understand this context. Here's what he's saying plainly. He's saying that together you are the light of the world. One person can't light the world. You are like a city that can't be hidden. A city on a hill, he says. But one person doesn't make up a city. A group of families make up a city. He says your light shines brightest, but only when it shines together. You might be thinking, Pastor, why is this so important? Because in our culture, we elevate the individual. It's not about we. It's always about me. And here Jesus completely flips that. And he says, actually, we need to focus on we because it's in we that we are the most powerful. It's in we that I've given you everything you need to reach a dark and hurting world. Today we're going to learn how the Bible connects, how the Bible connects. I believe the Bible connects us because it teaches us this first thing, so important, that while our faith is personal, it's not private. Our faith is personal, but it was never designed to be practiced in private. There's a lot of people today that will say, you know, you can be Christian, just do it in the privacy of your own home. You know, you can be Christian. Just keep that to yourself. I remember growing up, my parents used to always say, there's just some things you never talk about at the dinner table. One of them is religion. We don't want to hear it. Just keep it to yourself. And yet, that's not how God has designed the Christian life to work. Why? Because our faith is personal. It's not private. Later, Jesus would build on this idea, and he would really challenge our whole idea culturally of faith and specifically family. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. And anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Here we see Jesus asserts a radically different view of family. He's introducing this idea that we're going to see play out in the New Testament called spiritual family. It was radical then, and it's very radical today. You know, in another encounter, he once again challenges our view of family. In John chapter 3, he's encountered by a religious leader named Nicodemus. We can call him Nick for short. Nick was a religious leader. He was a good guy, but in the cover of night, Right? He comes to Jesus. He doesn't really want to be seen with Jesus, but he knows something's different about Jesus. He's heard all of these things, and he was a religious leader, a good guy. He did all the right things, but he realized that something was still missing in his life. He had done it all, and he had done pretty well when comparing himself to others, but something was still missing. And so he comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus what he must do to become fulfilled, to see the kingdom. 
And Jesus answers him this way in John 3. He answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He says in verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Here we again see this idea of spiritual family. When we give our life to Christ, not only are we born again into the, the, as a son or daughter of God, but every child is born into a family. We're also born into God's household. We're born into a natural family, but when we surrender to Jesus, we are born again, Jesus says, into a spiritual family. It's in that spiritual context that we can see the kingdom, that we can understand God. He's teaching us this truth, if you're taking notes, that spirit is thicker than blood. Spirit is thicker than blood. This is true for the believers. As a matter of fact, Jesus continues to build on this idea. Even later, in Matthew chapter 16, he's walking us through this new way to live and to understand. He gives us his strategy, his plan for this new family. You see, during Jesus' ministry on earth, everyone had an idea of who he was and how he would build his kingdom, and they all had expectations on the Messiah. And at one time in his ministry, Jesus takes his disciples on a trip to once and for all make clear his intentions. He takes his disciples to a wicked place called Caesarea Philippi. Not only was this a wicked place, but it was central to the demonic forces of that time. It was a wicked place. As a matter of fact, Jews would go around this place. It was so dark and depraved. It's in this wicked place here he asks the only question that really matters. He answers, he asks this question, who do you say that I am? You know, as you hop on social media as a believer, you know, you come to church, you participate in the activities, you connect with other Christ followers. It's easy for someone else's faith to influence you, and that's a good thing. We're better together. But at some point, you've got to answer this question for yourself. Who do you say that Jesus is? People had a lot of opinions about who Jesus was. Some people said, you know, Jesus, he's a good prophet. Some people are saying he's Elijah. Some people are saying, you know, he's my homeboy, right? We have that on t-shirts, all right? But as he's asking this question, who do people say I am? He makes the question more personal. He says, who do you say that I am to his disciples? Remember, he's in this wicked place, right? This wicked place. And Simon Peter answered him in Matthew 16, and he says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In verse 17, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, here he introduces his church. I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Here, Jesus redefines once and for all His plan. He establishes his family, his church, and he promises to build it. Why? This is important. Because the church is God's plan for a hurting world. Our faith is personal, not private. We're born into family. Spirit is thicker than blood. These relationships matter as we grow, but the church is actually the plan to the darkness. It's the solution to everything we face in our world. In a dark and isolated world, God shines a light. It starts with Jesus, and Jesus establishes his church, the spiritual family his strategy for a broken world. You know, as we round this series and this topic, we're talking about the indestructible word, how the word empowers us to live our best life. It instructs us. The Bible speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, but then it connects us in this unstoppable force for good. We've just got to take our place in it, which begs the question, what do you think of when you think of church? Maybe 
you see a building, maybe you see religion, maybe your mind flashes to a tradition or an activity. Our Western culture is very individualistic, right? Right? We're, we're very all about me, and yet we're only fulfilled in we. It's how God designed us. That's why we're always so empty when we're alone. Connection without belonging is empty. To be sure, you need to have a connection, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll find true belonging. This idea of not just knowing, but being known at the deepest level. You see, connection is temporary. Belonging is permanent. Connection is about consumption. Belonging is about contribution. Connection is about a feeling, but belonging is about a purpose. Connection is about you. Belonging is about the family. You see, God satisfies our need to belong by giving us family. Psalm 68, 6 says it this way. God places the lonely in family. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Here's the truth. This is important. The church is God's spiritual family. We need to adjust the way we view church. The church is not only God's plan for the hurting world, but it's also God's spiritual family. Again, what do you think of when you think of family? Depending on your experience, you likely have a lens of what family is. Our past experiences inform us, but as we're learning in this series, only God's word forms us. It instructs us. It speaks to us. The Bible says it transforms us. Jesus is the head of the church, and he teaches us a new way to live. In another place in Matthew chapter 20, as he's walking his disciples through this process, right, as the disciples started discovering more and more about Jesus' plan, they, like us, started posturing for position. They started comparing themselves with others. So much so that one day they had a different view of this new family that Jesus was establishing. James and John are prompted by their mother to posture for power and position. And Jesus says, listen, that might be how natural families do it. That might be how the world sees it. But it's going to be different with you. He says in Matthew 20, 25, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in the world lord it over people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. By the way, that's not optional. It will be different. For whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here we see that Jesus stakes claim to this family and then gives them a countercultural culture. Here he says, you will be different. Did you know culture, this culture, is what marked the early church and it's what marked the most healthy churches today. It's a guide. What made this church different? Jesus would die. He would be buried. He would resurrect on the third day. He would go to heaven Right? He would send the Holy Spirit 50 days later. And the people, believers, saved by grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit, would begin to change the world. And they would form this community. And we read about it in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Look what happened in verse 43. Because of this devotion, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They went to church. They prioritized it. But then they met in homes for small group for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity. Look at this. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, as we come full circle in this series, I think it's important 
You know, we start with the word of God. It instructs us. It teaches us about the gospel. We surrender our lives to Christ, and then Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. That's the power and the Spirit of God with us all the time, constantly speaking. But then God brings us together in spiritual family. I want to talk for just a moment about some characteristics of spiritual family that I think is so important as you and I continue to grow together, as this church continues to expand, as we continue to grow, we want to make sure that that same culture, right, that same culture founding on, founded on the indestructible word is what defines us. Let's learn a little bit from this passage. There are some characteristics of family we read about here in Acts chapter 2. One of them is they were fully devoted to God. They were fully devoted to God. And because of that, they were devoted to each other. Look in the second characters. They were generous. By the way, generosity wasn't just something they did. It was how they thought. They didn't see what they had as theirs. They saw it as as a gift to be shared. Look in verse, look in uh, number three, they spent time together. You know, I think this is a big issue. There's so much distance and gap because we don't prioritize time together. I'm gonna encourage you. I know the holidays are busy. I know you have all kinds of things going on, but make time to gather and scatter. Make time to be together, hearing God's word, right? Being encouraged in your faith and then continuing that conversation in Christian community and in small groups. We notice here that they were joyful, There was something that was different about them. They weren't painted with the world's attitude. They had a joy that came from the inside out. We see that they were inclusive. They accepted, the Bible says, those being saved. They were also exclusive. Jesus was their context, not a bunch of causes. Jesus was their context, not a political party or figure. Jesus was their context, not a race or skin color. Jesus was their context, not the size of their bank account. Jesus was their context. And any other context that tried to fight or compete with that, as we see in Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, was roundly rejected. You see, many of our struggles start with how we view the church, how we view the Bible connecting us in spiritual community. You know, the Old Testament was written to God's chosen people, the Jewish people. It was a family that started with Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. By the way, that's God's favorite name. Did you know a healthy church always has three generations? They have children, parents, and grandparents. And then Jesus comes, and from this family starts a new family, really expands the existing family, Did you know that every letter in the New Testament wasn't written to an individual, but to the family of God in various places, knowing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that you and I would learn and grow from these Holy Spirit-inspired books of the Bible. You and I, we need to fundamentally change the way we think about church. Church isn't a place you go to. It's a spiritual family that you belong to. And it's in that family, as we're being built up, that God changes everything. I want to close with a passage And I've chosen this passage because I think it really helps us see the win of spiritual family. It helps us understand, right, how it applies in our life and how it practically works. Ephesians chapter 219, I'm going to read from the message translation. I believe Eugene Peterson puts this so well. He says this, he says, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, everyone say me, fitting you in 
brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. And we see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us being built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Here we see the Apostle Paul is describing this work. When it's right, when we put the Bible first as our ultimate authority, it instructs us. When we are allowing the Holy Spirit to empower our life, to speak through that word, then we allow God's word to connect us in a spiritual community that doesn't just bless our lives, but it blesses our cities, our communities. It blesses everything that our lives touch. Church, we can never forget that is God's word that is indestructible. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives as believers. I pray, God, you would continue to strengthen the spiritual family of God. Father, that you would continue to add those who are being saved. I pray even right now to those listening to this, either in person or later on video, I pray, Father, that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit to the truth of your word, that, Father, they would be saved. They would confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and they would take their place in the family of God. I pray, Father, for all of us as we go into this holiday season, may you bless us. May you expand us, Lord God. May you speak to us through your word. May you instruct us. And, Father, may you connect us in this great thing that you've been doing these many thousands of years. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.